A reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Emmanuel, I really am thrilled to be with you, um, but I'm a lot more long-winded than you're ready for, so I'm going to try to get to this as quickly as possible. I know we've prayed and read scripture. This, is, this next prayer is more for me than for you, but let's pray and ask Jesus that he would listen to me, that he would interrupt us, that no matter what we thought of him, that he would become more precious to us, that he would be more real to us, and that he would guide and direct us in a way that would transform us and that would bring him fame and make the nations glad and bring us joy. So let's pray that, yes? Father, we thank you for this incredible opportunity to gather, to, what, an, what an insane privilege that we get to gather together and hear your words and pray to you and be ministered to and minister to others with even a giving of peace. So, Lord, would you speak deeply to us today as we speak about a really sensitive subject? And, Lord, with all the errors that I'll make and with all the things that I'll say that are just slightly off or whatever, would you just give grace here for all of us to be able to sort through all that and hear you and just be in awe of what you would call us to in love, in surrender, in humility and in forgiveness. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to give you an opening illustration. It's from my life, and it's really distracting. I've preached this sermon in several churches, and so I have to give you this sort of caveat. It's really distracting. If you could just get the main point, I promise it'll be worth it. But don't be distracted by the details, okay? Okay, so I live in Brooklyn all my life, and uh, my wife and I were living uh, next to a... Um, next to a abandoned lot. I don't know if you've ever lived in a neighborhood where there's an abandoned lot next to you. You go to the Bronx, some places in Brooklyn, a few places in Queens. It's like that. And so we were living uh, there, and they started to do construction in the lot next to us. Anybody know what happens in a lot when you do construction? What happens to the home next door? Anybody know? Okay. Rats, mice, vermin. Yeah, I know. It's distracting that way. I know. I'm sorry. Um, so what happened was I was going, of course, I was going to um, work out. I was going to um, work out the next day. So I went to sleep early and my wife uh, heard some scratching. And so you see how distracting this is? It's tremendous. But stick with me. This is awesome. Um, so she woke me up and she would not let me go back to sleep. 
she would not let me go back to sleep. So I spent, and, and there was a mouse in the house, and I was chasing it. There was nowhere for it to go. And I'm chasing it. I had no idea what would happen if I actually caught the thing. Um, it, was, it was gross to all involved, but I was running after. And in fact, at the end, my wife was the hero because she just opened the door and I chased it and it ran into the hallway and she closed it. She said, all right, now it's the super's problem. And so, yeah, it was, which is the way we do in Brooklyn. So um, here's the point. My wife would not, and this did not take one hour. This did not take two hours. This did not take three hours. I saw the sun come up. It was all night long doing this. And I realized at that moment that my wife could not abide one night, one moment without addressing this terrible thing that was in our apartment. She couldn't uh, allow her kids to go into the next day. She couldn't herself go. She wouldn't allow her husband, for sure, to go into the next day without addressing this issue. Now pause. Why is it that you and I, if we have a vermin or something like that, we just can't abide one day with it being like that and will allow things like bitterness and unforgiveness to reign in our hearts and never think to address the issue. Never think this needs to be attacked. This needs to be addressed. This needs to be moved toward in a very intentional way, lest something bad happen. I've discovered, and I've been in Christian ministry now for over 22 years, that most of us will go a lifetime letting the vermin of bitterness, of unforgiveness, scratch around, hearing it's there, knowing it's unacceptable, and resigning ourselves to do nothing about it. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness. The reason we're going to talk about forgiveness is because it, forgiveness has a way of poisoning everything. Everything. It doesn't matter if you are upset with someone from your long ago past. It doesn't matter if it will show up. Bitterness will show up. Rage will show up. It will poison your marriage. It will destroy your relationship with your kids. It'll ruin your connection to your parents. It'll create tensions in the workplace like you can't imagine. Listen to me. You and I, but I'll just say it, you need this message. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm so grateful that you're here. And I might say, um, please come back again next week. I promise the sermon will be so much better if you just come back next week, okay? Just my disclaimer. Um, so if you're new, I'm sorry. I'm the fill-in for today, but just for today. And Pastor Jim will do a fantastic job next week. But here's my point. If you're here and you're new and you're not a Christian, say, for instance, you came because your wife or your relative or your friend said, oh, you know, it's the beginning of the year. Let's just go to church, huh? you know, something like that. I don't know what it was. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, then you get an opportunity to see how Christians deal with the hurts, the wounds, the scars that we all have to walk with. Because none of us are exempt from receiving pain and heartache and hurts. None of us are. 
If you're here and you're new, you also get to see what the Bible says about what we need to do about this. And if you're a veteran of the scriptures, I mean, like, right, like you were born and you've been coming to church since like forever and, and that's you, then I want you to be open-hearted that perhaps the Lord would be addressing you. He didn't listen. The Lord did not bring me here and did not bring you here for you to just go, wow, interesting sermon. I think I'll share it with Josie, who really has an, a bitterness problem or really has an anger problem. Because as I'm speaking, you're probably going to think of the person that you need to give this message to. I promise you, if, if God intended for them to receive this message, he would have brought them here. And if he intends you to hear this message, it's because he brought you here. So won't you be open? You go, oh, I'm not bitter about anything. I'm not angry. Okay, give it a minute. Let's talk. Okay? All right. So that's my disclaimer. Um, we're going to be looking at the text in Ephesians. I'm going to race through it because I, I honestly take four weeks to go through this text with my congregation. So forgive the, the amount that we're going to look at today. But I want you to see that God is not silent on this issue because he knows every one of us, atheists, Christians, of other religions. He knows that every single one of us are going to be harmed and we're going to struggle with this thing called forgiveness. And the hallmark of Christians is that we are forgiven. And as a result, we are forgiving. That's, by the way, the big idea for today. When I preach at my church, I preach in a church with addicts and people who live in the margins and homeless and all that other stuff. And so I only come up with one point because I don't think that anybody in my congregation could remember anything beyond one point in a sermon. If you don't believe me, just ask yourself, what was the big idea of last week's sermon? Nobody remembers it. Yeah, you don't remember it either. I know, it's all right. The mask covers up, you're like, oh dear, I don't know. But here's the point. The big idea today and the big idea that we need to wrestle with is that Christians the hallmark of Christians is that they are forgiven and therefore they are forgiving. We look at Ephesians. Now we could have gone to so many places, but we'll stick with Ephesians. We're going to go to verse 26 and 27. I'm using the New American Standard Bible 95 edition for those two verses. And then I'm jumping into the other. If you want to see in your bulletin, the whole section is there. Feel free. It says this. Here's what the scriptures say. Be angry. Pause. Finally, a command we can all obey. <laughs> Yay, we got this, right? Be angry, but wait, and yet, and yet do not sin. In other words, there's a way to be angry that is a stench and filled with hubris and pride and self-centeredness. And then there's a way to be angry that's brokenhearted and surrendered to Christ. I'll be honest with you. I'm almost never righteously angry. Almost never. It is a rare, rare, rare time where I am righteously angry. I am mostly angry because you offended my reputation. You hurt my feelings. Because you did what... In fact, most of the arguments between me and my wife could be ended if I could just get this one sentence out of my mouth. If I said, you know why I'm so upset? 
because you are not doing what I say. All of our arguments would end if I would just admit that at the time. You see, we're called as Christians to seek after the God of the universe, following him where he is angry and where he finds injustice and where he finds iniquity. Most of us are satisfied with being our own gods and being upset just on our own for the reasons that we just stated. But he says, be angry, and yet not in a sinful way. Don't let your anger lead you into a way that would cause you to be an offense to the community of God and to God himself. Be angry, and yet do not sin. And then he says something really powerful. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, can we just talk about this for a second? We just have to do it in a second. I would spend an entire week on this. This is really, really important. And I would talk to you about the stage. Okay, so this has been, this text that we're reading is thousands of years old. And yet you and I who are here, who are 20, 30, 40, or 50, or whatever your age is, you and I have enough experience in life to know that there are some hurts that take more than an evening to get over. So I don't think that the Bible is teaching us that in every 24-hour period we have to get over every single... What I think the Bible is teaching us is that there's a way in your life and in mine for the sun to go down on your anger, meaning the season of life to change. That there's a way in which you and I get angry at something. Perhaps we were hurt. Perhaps we were wounded. Maybe you're like me. Maybe someone came into your, uh, someone came into a room, locked the door, an adult, maybe an adult male came into your room, locked the door, and horrible things happened that day. Like soul-breaking, uh, sexual identity-questioning things happened that day. Maybe you're like me, and you experienced that. And your scars run deep. Maybe you experience physical abuse from a parent or verbal abuse from a mom. Maybe you experience the kind of hurts that you've never told anyone else but that walk with you in a tangible way. Maybe that's your story. There's, there's a potential for the sun to have gone down on your anger, on your hurt, on your wound. And now, you don't know why you're angry anymore. Someone comes up to you and says, why, why are you so angry? What's with the attitude? Why are you acting this way? And you go, you know why? Because, because of you and because of, because of him and because of, because of them. And that's why I'm angry. And if those people have the kind of courage that Jesus gives in that moment, sometimes they respond and go, no, I, I think you were angry before any of us got here. Don't let the sun go down on a season of life without addressing the very issues that have harmed and hurt and enraged you. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. 
In other words, it's like leaving, right? Um, anybody here um, R&B fans? Like, show of hands? Like, all right. All right. Okay. Two. Well, then. We're going to move to another illustration. Anybody here like Bach? All right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I got nothing from Bach. I got nothing. I just, I mean, what was I going to do? All right. So, all right. The, 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 the point is, is that uh, you and I know the importance of uh, closing the door, locking the door to our cars, to our homes, to our, you know the importance of this. Yes? Like that's something that, 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 that you, you do it without thinking of it. And if you would go to bed, you would get out of bed if you thought for a second that the door was unlocked. You would go, oh, no, 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 I don't know. I, I need to lock this door. Because we've all heard stories when people leave their doors open of what happens in some cities and etc. Here's the deal. When you and I don't address our bitterness, it's like we leave the door open for Satan to come and ravage our lives. And if you're here and you go, oh man, I was with you. I was following you. You sounded somewhat intelligent, but now you're starting to talk about Satan. That's like, just suspend that for a, bit, for a moment. It is a way that we harm ourselves and we leave the door open for more harm when we don't address our bitterness and unforgiveness. Then, jump down to Ephesians 4, 31-32. Paul, the writer of this text, who, by the way, has been harmed himself in ways that you and I can't even imagine, when, when Paul shares his story, he talks about being beaten. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being beaten? Beaten for what you believe about God? Not like beaten because you did something wrong or beaten because you had too much to drink and then you thought you could beat the little guy up and it turned out he was from the UFC. Not like that. But I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like being beaten because you're proclaiming the name of Jesus. And he talked about this. He experienced abandonment. Have you experienced it? He experienced that. He experienced being beaten for the name of Christ, walking righteously and being uh, abused as a result. He said this, get rid of all bitterness. And go, Listen, I know, that's a mouthful. Just follow the, the train of thought. He's not being glib. He's saying something profound if you're patient enough to hear it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Look up at me. Listen. What Paul is saying here is impossible. I just need you to know. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in an argument with somebody. And you've said this, calm down. And everything went well after that in the conversation, right? Yeah, that has never happened. You know why? Because it never works to tell somebody to calm down who's not calm, right? And it never works to tell somebody to get rid of bitterness. <laughs> Just get rid of bitterness. It's like, yeah, you know your slander? Toss it out. It's like that never works, right? And this is why the gospel is so important. And this is why if you're not a Christian, you get to hear something that's unique to the Christian tradition that I think that you need in your life. It's this. The basis for which 
Paul tells us to get rid of these impossible things to get rid of. It's like, it's like, it's not possible to get rid of bitterness. Go ahead and try. Some of you have, and it's led you to despair. Get rid of your anger. It'll lead you to despair. Get rid of your envy and your pride. Go ahead, try, do it in an earnest way, determined to do it. And it'll only lead you to despair. Paul says, do all these things and replace it with compassionate forgiveness, right? Be kind and compassionate. Kind, compassion, and forgiveness. Uh, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Here it goes. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Wait. I don't need forgiveness. Tut, tut, tut. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And I know that we've grown up in, or we're growing up in a culture that feels like the only forgiveness, you know, you just need to forgive yourself or whatever. No, listen to me. If you went ahead and harmed one of my children, it's a, like, you know, you, you hear that, you see this in like uh, trials where someone murders someone's child and then they apologize to the parents. That's an appropriate response because you're hurting the person that these parents love, their children. So it is every single time I've ever harmed someone, it's been an offense to the father who created them in his image. See, here's the thing, and this is tough. What I'm about to say next is very, very difficult to receive. Whenever someone has ever sinned against me, all they've ever done has been an illustration to how I've sinned against God. That's all they've ever done. Have they taken something from me that doesn't belong to me? They've only illustrated to me how I have taken the gifts of God and ran away from Him, using His gifts, if you can imagine, to run from Him. If someone has ever slandered me, they're only showing me ways that I have misrepresented and said wrong and awful things about God to His face. You see, whenever anyone has sinned against me, has, has anyone ever violated my person, my very sins, my very sins caused for there to be no other recourse than the God who loves us to send his son who is God to die on the cross for us. Don't you see? When you and I are sinned against, we have to recognize that we've been forgiven so much more. That these are the examples, illustrations of how we've sinned against God. And if you take the time to meditate on that, it will transform how you deal with offenses and hurts, harms and disappointments. It'll change your life. You go, wait, but he cheated on me, you say. And you go, and I'm not the kind of person to cheat on anyone. Isn't it true? Whenever someone harms us, we always get so many. I've never, ever 
been as offended about my sin against my wife as I've been about her sin against me. Are you the same? Are you nearly as offended at your sin against your friends and family? No. You know why? Because when you sin against someone else, there's a good reason for that. <laughs> and when they sin against you, it's because they're incorrigible and awful and terrible wicked people who need to know Jesus. We have total excuses for ourselves. We have no excuses for anyone else. So, would we, in this moment, recognize that we need more forgiveness and that we were given that forgiveness by Christ that even while we were yet in our own sins, Christ died for us. I'm going to give you four, we'll call them, I don't know if steps is the right word, four suggestions on how to apply this to your life. We're going to do it super fast. So you're going to have a lot of questions. But that's why. Pastor Jim is here. <laughs> and so you can ask him all of the questions to fill in the gaps that I've intentionally left unsaid. Okay, the first thing, if you are dealing with bitterness, and, I'm, and I trust, you, just, you can't be more than 11 years old without having experienced a deep hurt. Okay, here's a process that might be helpful. First one is I would identify who you're angry with. I would identify that. True story. My wife is a um, habitual and addicted, um, uh, what do you call this, like sweepstakes person? Are you, have, some of you are so young, you don't even know what a sweepstakes is. <laughs> sweepstakes is like you go to the supermarket and they said, it's a, a trip around, the, you know, like, a, like a, a cruise around to like, you know, Nassau or something like that to the Bahamas. If you just fill out this one thing, my wife would take the whole pack because she would read the directions and if it didn't have a limit, she would take the whole packet because we're super poor and there's no way we're going to go on vacation unless she figures something out. And so she would take the whole packet and spend four hours filling out each one of them. It was crazy. We actually, she, we won. We won. True story. We go, we're going to the Bahamas. We, I remember what, uh, uh, Nassau was the one place I remember because there's a street by where we used to live called Nassau. And then the second one was Half Moon K. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's super dope. If you, don't, if you ever get a chance, go visit it. All right, well, we go on this thing, and it's here that the Lord, because it was like the first time that I had stopped doing ministry in like a dozen years, and the bitterness had welled up in my heart that I couldn't even see it. I hated my congregation. I hated the people around me. I didn't like my wife very much. And I was resentful of my kids. I was filled with bitterness. And in the pausing us in this trip, God walked me through a process that I've never gotten over and that I'm going to share with you. And the first one, so write this down, like pen, pencil, or mascara. Write this down, okay? Or get out your little... <laughs> screen and, and type it into that. Okay, the first thing is identify who you're angry with and listen to me. Remember what we said just earlier about 
um, seasons of life. Beware of the trap of just identifying the people who you're angry at in this season. Be willing to go back a few seasons in life. Who are you angry with? If I call American Express and I say, uh, you know, here's my identification number or whatever, um, how much do I owe? They will tell me to the penny how much I owe. They will identify who I am. They will know how to get a hold of me. Why? Because I've, they've identified who owes them. When you, listen to me, when you're bitter against someone, they owe you something. And we don't have time to develop that thought, but listen to me. Identify who you're angry with. Okay, secondly, settle on what they owe you. So what do they owe me? I would write it this way. Settle on what they owe me. What do they owe you? So with me, when I was doing this on this trip, uh, my father had come up. And my father, um, you know, was an alcoholic and he couldn't keep it in his pants and just went out and ruined and blew up the whole life. It blew up all of our lives. We didn't have electricity. We didn't have heat. We didn't have phone. Like, literally, we lived in what you would consider a crack house growing up. It was horrible. Like, when I put my father's name, let me tell you what he owed me. He owed me security. I grew up in the most insecure fearful place. I had to be guarded at all times. He also owed me wisdom. I had to figure everything out on my own. You know how terrible that was growing up in Brooklyn in the 80s? I had to figure everything out about romance and friendship and integrity and manhood. I had to figure all of that out on my own. My father owed me his wisdom. My father owed me his care. He cared for other families. He didn't seem to care. You get what I'm saying here? It's not, I'm not trying to have you qualify. You go, oh no, he doesn't owe me anything. Yeah, 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 stop it. Just write it down. What do they owe you? First, identify who you're angry with. Second, settle on what they owe you. Third, and this is big, start to pray for them. Pray for those who have harmed you. Pray for those who have harmed you. With whatever, even if, if they've passed away, pray for their kids or whatever. But if, if it was a dark alley and there was a, a terrible moment that happened in the dark alley, um, you can pray. You can still pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ reaches them. But if you know anything about them, if it was an uncle, if it was a mom, you can pray for them in the way that you would hope that people would pray for you. Not like, oh God, you know, strike them down. They don't deserve to live. That's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that says, God, you know that Frances is dealing with her weight issue. And she wants to lose it. And she doesn't, she doesn't change her habits. Would you help her to deal with that? God, you know that uh, Frank just got fired again because of his uh, loud ways and his obnoxious ways. Lord, would you, would you give him joy that's found in Christ and a love that overflows into other people? You get what I'm saying. You pray for them in a way that you want people to pray for you, even in your brokenness. First, identify who you're angry with. Second, settle on what they owe you. Third, pray for those who harmed you. Fourth, decide to cancel the debt. 
when I was on that boat, what I did was I wrote all this stuff out. And I put in a big letters, I put debt canceled. Why? Because Christ had did this for me. That when he went to the cross, Christ had in as bold the letters as as bold letters as the universe said, debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. And I said, debt canceled. Reminding myself that Christ had canceled my debt. Not because I deserved it, because they didn't deserve it either. Not because I merited it or had worked for it, because they didn't work for it or merit it either. Not because I even was conscious of my sin when he died for my sin. And they sometimes aren't either and may never well be. But because he bestowed it as a sacrificial thing that he bestowed on me. And I get to bestow it on him. God, I, I literally would pray, God, is this how you felt forgiving me? And it was obviously far worse because he was on the cross and I was on a cruise, so it wasn't quite the same. <laughs> but I could really, really start uh, the, what, what, the, what uh, Romans uh, 8, uh, 18, uh, 17 says. That, that I was joining him in the fellowship of his sufferings. That's what I was doing. And so I was writing all this out. And so I, I, when you cancel the debt, I, I encourage you to do it in the most creative way humanly possible, right? What I did is I went in the back of the boat, and uh, I, I remember the struggle that I had. I said, oh, he's going to do this again. He's, you know, and I, and I, just, I had more than one person on there. I had several. You know, they just, they, they're, they're going to think that I let him off the hook. They're going to think that, and, and you know what I did? I just, the Lord put it in my heart. He said this. He reminded me of the verse that said, um, that he threw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that a great verse? And so I was in, it was at nighttime. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And the Lord reminded me, if you could find your sins in the midst of all this ocean, then you could take up your sin. But throw it, he, you know, we had this paper. And so I threw it and I was like, and it hung in the air for a long time and I just started to cry because there's like wounds and hurts and it's still a process and I still need counseling and I still need to walk through this. But I, I just, something powerful happened in that moment. I just, they don't owe me anymore. And they're going to be who they are. And I need to, and for certain people, I need to have certain boundaries. And again, that's stuff to talk about with the pastor. But what does it look like for me? To, they don't owe me anymore. I don't have to, I don't have to rehearse their harm. They're no worse than me. And then lastly, if you are going to, just as Christ forgave you, forgive, just as Christ forgave you, I want you to daily stay in the habit. Stay in the habit of not letting the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because the hallmark of a Christian is that we're forgiven. And therefore, forgiving There's a lot of complexity in this room right now. And some of you don't have any idea. I'm not, I was, you know, was sort of half-joking before. This is why we're a community. We get to come together and you get to sit with the pastor and talk and walk through exactly how to do this. Um, I encourage you, whatever you do, don't embrace your bitterness. Embrace the Christ who has forgiven you the unthinkable that you might overflow that forgiveness even to those you don't think deserve it because you didn't deserve it. And that's what makes the gospel so good. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for this opportunity to talk about in the very first Sunday because there's been so many years where we've carried around this bitterness, so many decades that we've walked around with it. And Lord, this beginning of the year 2022, help us, help us to see our own wickedness and experience the forgiveness that you've bestowed, showered upon us. And help us to therefore, therefore overflow that forgiveness to others. And Lord, would you just give us wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard? For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, Emmanuel. Friends, Carson, if you don't mind, I think, I think I'll change the plan just a little bit on the prayer. Is that all right? Thanks, man. Emmanuel, this, um, this is a summons uh, to freedom. Um, and right here at the beginning of the year, boy, let's not miss that, all right? So can I invite you right now just to continue in prayer? Uh, and we're going to uh, shift to the Lord's uh, Supper here in just a moment. But before we do that, uh, let's, let's spend a few more minutes in prayer and ask the Lord uh, to invade our souls and to impart the freedom that he has called us to. So please take a posture of prayer. Almighty Father, we have heard your word. You have spoken, and we have heard. And your word created the universe, and all reality rests upon your word. And by your word, you summon sinners to a freedom we cannot attain on our own. And so, Father, we recognize the work of your Holy Spirit right now. We welcome the work of your Holy Spirit right now. And so, Father, I pray right now, by the power of your Spirit, that you would work in every single one of our hearts and that you would uh, target that part of our hearts and our of our lives where we have tried to insulate ourselves uh, from, from your grace, from forgiveness, both receiving and extending forgiveness. And so, Father, we want to say that we, we are asking that your Holy Spirit would reach down into the portions of our lives where there's a little, a, a little opportunity for the devil. Will you reach into the part of our lives where there's, there's a little bit of cherished bitterness? Father, will you reach into that part of our lives where we're like, yeah, this, this, this little bit, 
grace and forgiveness from the Lord for me, it doesn't quite apply to this area. Target that area too. And Father, I pray that you will bring up names and events where we get to surrender these people and these hurts to you. And if names are coming up for you, set them before the Lord and say, Lord, give me the grace to go through the process of forgiveness for this person. And Father, we recognize that this is not just a moment, it's a process. So we ask for your grace, for time release, timed release grace in this year. That this would be a year of increased freedom for us, an increased extending forgiveness, because we are increasingly receiving and internalizing your forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.